Thank you very much, Pastor Mark. All right, so it's 6.51 right now. We're going to start now. We'll probably get you out of here by 8.15 when it's time to pick up the kids by the time this is over. So We'll do our um, best. No, all jokes aside. No, we're grateful to be standing up here um, and share our testimony, right? We think this is a great opportunity just to, to stand here and stand before you all and kind of just explain a shortened version of kind of what we're doing, you know, where we've come from and who we are now that we've, you know, God has saved us. So the abbreviated version kind of to get things going um, is, you know, both of us, right? We were both kind of raised in families where God was part of our lives. You know, we went to church as kids. And um, I know for me, I went to a student venture. Has anybody ever been a student venture before? I, okay, good. I, I'm, not, I'm finding many people didn't do this, but back in Florida, where we're from, I did student venture as a kid. I went to a uh, retreat in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina as a 16-year-old. I remember calling my parents on a payphone saying I had given my life to Christ. I was crying. It was amazing. And then I turned around and just kept sinning, and nothing changed in my life. But I thought, okay, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to do, and I'm a saved guy, and I'm just going to go on living my life. Your story as a, as a kid is a little different. Yes, mine's a little different. My parents divorced when I was five, and then when I was in about the fifth grade, my mom came home one day and announced that she was a saved Christian. So my parents shared custody of us, and uh, when I was with my mom, I would have to go to her church. And eventually I just kind of gave in to her pressure and I said the sinner's prayer, you know, um, but again, no change in my life. And then when I was in the ninth grade, I started attending on my own, the local Baptist church with my grandmother. And there I also had a profession of faith and I was baptized. And again, no change, you know, just went about, you know, living to please myself and then started college and met this guy. We were freshmen in college and God church was not a part of our life in any way. That is for sure. Yeah, things are going well. So, you know, we're like, we're doing something right in this scenario, right? We've, whatever box it was that we had to check so that, and naively in my mind, grandpa, the grandpa upstairs, right, was... He's pleased with us. We got a. We were married. I met my dream wife in college. We had two beautiful little kids. We still have them. They're across the way. Um, we still have them. We have them. I swear. We still have them. Um, they're here. Um, and life. I mean, life was good. You know. I mean, that's you kind of get caught up in in you know the worldliness of things are going well, and we really didn't face too many trials or tribulations for the most part. I mean, we were living in our college town, so we met at Florida State University. Uh, all our friends moved away, and we moved two miles north to the suburbs after we graduated. <laughs> Uh, and that was like a big change and everybody moved away and, you know, life was good. It was the four of us and we're like, that's all we need. We got the four of us. We don't need anything else. Things are, things are good here. So, um, the story kind of, you know, there's, there's a lot of parts of the story, but, uh, 2014, summer 2014, I was traveling a lot for work. She convinced uh, me to quit my job. We actually moved to Northern Virginia where my parents had moved several years before. So we moved there August, 2014. Um, and I'm just sharing this part because, you know, fast track a little bit when we got out here, eventually I start looking at God's timing and thing. And, and, and that's, this is a huge part of the timing. So we moved to Northern Virginia, August, 2014, moved up there. My parents were up there, uh, a younger brother up there who we wanted to be near. Life was good up there too, you know? Um, so that was August, 2014. Uh, and then I guess it was probably early March, uh, within a two day span I got a phone call about a job out here, which was a lifelong dream of mine. I live in Southern California. Sweet. Things are still going really well for us. This is nice. This is great. Uh, and then a day later, my 51-year-old dad got diagnosed with terminal cancer. So it was like a, 
a swing there, like a really wide range of emotions in, in those, you know, 24 hours. Uh, 51, you know, and, and hero and never was sick and all these things. And, and, and again, you know, my, you know, you don't really, you know, you go through that and you're kind of waiting through what's happening. You don't really think too much about uh, long term. You're more focused on the then and there. And uh, I remember my dad telling me as he was dying, I watched him. He passed away May 7th. So March 10th to May 7th, just gone. And he made me promise him that I would move to California. And you know, like, how can I move to California? We're here with mom and my younger brother, and we can't, we can't walk away from this. Uh, but he said, just promise me you'll go. So that was my last, really the last thing I said to him, promise was that we would move to California. So we got, I got the job offer and everything. So I'm flying back and forth from here to DC. And uh, he passed away. I flew out here, driving around aimlessly. My job was in Irvine. I, I, if you work in Irvine, you can live in like 10 different cities. We all know that. Uh, I had no advice, nothing. We're kind of flying blind here. And we went up in Aliso Viejo. So we come out here, uh, you know, we, we drove out here, the four of us. We bought a Prius to drive to California. Traded in the Volvo SUV yes, just for a Prius hog. so that we could fit like, in We got to fit in. We got to fit in. We have no friends there. We got to try to fit in. Um, <laughs> and now I get made fun of it mercilessly here at church. So, um, yeah, it's a good car. It's a good car. Um, so, yeah, so we came out here. Uh, we moved out here. We drove cross country uh, May 2015. Bit of a haze. My dad, you know, had passed away earlier in the month, and kind of just got in the car and waved bye to my mom and younger brother. And my other brother was in town from Ohio at the time. And it's like, okay, you know, and um, yeah, just an emotional time as you can imagine. You know, really, when really when ultimately was our first really tribulation that I had honestly ever gone through. I'd lost a couple grandparents when I was younger, and that was a big deal. But I was younger and not the same impact as your best friend, you know, passing away unexpectedly. So. Uh, we come out here, we, we drive cross country, and we get here May 2015. Yes, and we had lived here for two weeks, and uh, actually on the day we uh, moved in, we unloaded the moving truck and went straight to Laguna Beach. We thought it was the coolest thing. Let's go. We live in California Beaches are better now. here than in Florida. Yeah. I'm just saying. Let's just go saying. check out Laguna Beach. And so we headed there, and our kids were not afraid to run into the ocean. So we were like, we better get them in swim lessons. Not something I was super excited about. Um, old Christy was very introverted and was not looking forward to doing all those, you know, fun mom activities with the kids, but it needed to happen. So we enrolled the kids at swim lessons at the Aliso Viejo Aquatic Center. And we'd only been here two weeks. And this stranger sitting next to me, she was so kind and she just started chatting it up with me. And she learned that we had just moved here. And she said, oh, are you looking for a church? And I kindly said, yes, do you know of one? And that was not an intention Liar. or anything on my mind. <laughs> I was just being, you know, just cordial and nice and continuing the conversation. And she proceeded to go on and on about Compass Bible Church. And we continued for the rest of the summer for two months while while our children kept progressing in swim lessons, the fast track swim lessons, we sat side by side for 30 minutes a day, Monday through Thursday for like two months. And she just witnessed me. She would bring me the bulletins. She told me about navigating motherhood. She told me about Awana, all the amazing programs here at Compass. And so it took two months. But finally, I said to him, can we just go check out this church so that, you know, this lady kind of, you know. She was relentless. Stops yeah. It. yeah. I mean, it can be completely candid. Like, it's like, okay, maybe this will shut her up. Like, let's just go, and that'll be it. We'll go, and that's it. And again, nothing against going to church or anything. It just 
it just wasn't it was not on our radar part of our of who we were at the time and yeah. didn't really understand the necessity to go we went to church on christmas we did those kind of things you know and it just yeah it just wasn't a thing that was even in our mind right yeah so i scoured the website like i clicked on every like possible thing that i could to learn everything about this church before we came and uh so finally we made it here on i think it was august 16th of 2015 yeah. and who was preaching pastor bobby so I mean, of all of all people to first come in for, I mean, you know, you think Pastor Mike is the one that kind of like you come in and you're amazed, which that happened later. Don't get me wrong. But Pastor Bobby and that, I mean, whether you come to church and you're impacted by the preaching or not right away for me, it, it was an impact just to hear him preaching and just to sit in and to not be bored at church for the first time in my entire life. Granted, that's on me. I was I was probably just predisposed to being bored. I'm like walking in with a bored mindset. Um, but he that went away the second he started talking. I mean, we all many of you have heard him in here. And if you haven't look him up. Um, obviously senior, pa you know, senior pastor at Huntington Beach, just really impactful. And, you know, and I don't even know if it was anything specifically that he said, it was just the way he preached and, and just being here. And it was like, wow, you know, we, I'm an extrovert. And so I not sure why I wasn't actively seeking like, you know, friendship and all these things, but I, we just felt at home really day one. And I well, know that's not always the case. Wasn't I all you needed though? Right? Well, that's true. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I mean, yes. What did that part of the video? Um, yeah, no, so, yeah, so it was really impactful, and I remember saying to somebody, I wish I remember who it was, that was amazing, and they're like, wait till you hear the senior pastor here, you know, nothing against Bobby, but wait till you hear the guy who's going to be back from vacation in a couple weeks. And, praise God, our children oh, yeah. Yeah. had a blast at Sunday school, and I thank God for his grace in that all the time, because if they hadn't, we were the type of parents that... We just want our kids to be happy. And if our kids did not want to come back, we were not going to force them to come back. That just wasn't our style then. We didn't know any better. We were very foolish. But praise God, they loved Sunday school. And they wanted to come back the next week, so we came back the next week. And it was another guest speaker. Yeah, I think it was Bruce Ware, I think is who it was. So, yeah, I don't remember somebody who, good, but... per usual, anyway. So, yeah, so we just started attending regularly and started coming and really just kind of fell into a groove here. And it was great for us. New people in California. We don't know anybody except who I work with. I'm still in a haze of not really sure, you know, how we got to this point with my dad being gone and balancing my mom back east, my brother going off to college, and just all the logistics of those kind of things where we, you know, we're a million miles away, it feels like, you know, from people who live on that side of the country. And when you're dealing with tragedy and just a big family and all that stuff, and me being the oldest kid in the family, there's just a lot that can distract you. And this was, I mean, God, just talk about timing and of all places to bring us cross country, right? Mm -hmm to move from Florida to Virginia. And again, you look back on it, and again, this is all setting up, you know, just kind of, you know, realizing what God was doing for us. To send us to Virginia, we were there for 10 months, and it wound up being a short trip. I got 10 months with my dad. He got 10 months with my kids. And had that happened when, had he gotten sick when we lived in Florida? I mean, we're not, we're not seeing him, you know? So there's just so many things you look back on, and God is just strategically moving you, and you don't know the final step. And then you, you start to see things start to happen. And it was, it was all kind of just bubbling up as we started going here. Yeah, so it really was just Pastor Mike's preaching on Sundays. Um, that was the only thing we were doing at the time for like the first four months we attended yes, Compass. This is late 2015 now. Yeah, we, it was just his preaching that taught us who God is and, you know, that Christians actually like... <laughs> You know, they, they do they do certain things. If you're going to profess to be a Christian, you live a certain lifestyle. And, again, we 
probably would have called ourselves Christians, but you know, in our minds that a Christian meant someone who believed that God was creator and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but we didn't even understand what that really meant. So, um, yeah, my girlfriend who invited me to, she was my first mom friend. I had been a mom for almost six years and she was the first friend that I made that at, since becoming a mom as a mom. And she asked me if I wanted to serve with her to decorate the Christmas coffee. And I was like, oh, so badly I wanted to say no because I was very selfish with my time. All my time belonged to my husband and my kids and that was it. And so, but I knew like, you know, the Holy Spirit was just tucking on me. He's like, you know, you're supposed to do this. So just say yes. Like if you want to be a Christian, this is the kind of stuff you have to do. You have to serve the church. So I said yes. And it was the first time I was ever here outside of Sunday service. And I like to say the Holy Spirit just totally wooed me. I was, ju he just filled me with joy, like joy I had never experienced to be here at the church. Anyone who knows me knows that I love Christmas. So to come here and get to decorate for the Christmas coffee, they were playing Christmas music. It was just, I, I just experienced like the joy of the Lord through doing that. And that was really special. And then one day after one weekend service, he looked at me and he said, I think we need to start serving. And I was like, yes, we do. I'll talk to my girlfriend and see what we needed to do. Have you ever been to a sermon where you feel like Pastor Mike's talking right at you, yeah. right to you? Has that ever happened? <laughs> Like every weekend? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, I remember that. Exactly. Yeah, so I asked her, and she was like, well, actually, if you want to serve here at Compass Bible Church, you have to go through the partners program. And she was like, would you be interested in that? And I was like, yes, please. Because at this point, I was so curious if I was a Christian. I wasn't sure. And I knew that this partners program was going to help me, you know, you know, are you a Christian? You know, making sure you're right with God chapter that that first chapter, that's what it's all about. And so I agree. She agreed to take me through it. He wasn't as wasn't as, fired up as receptive. It. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. as fired up about it. But she started taking me through in January and it was going through chapter one of partners and just seeing the gospel plainly laid out you know, recognizing God is creator, understanding his holy standard. I am a sinner. I fall short of that. Um, and I think, I think the like gut punch for both of us was realizing my whole life, all I ever wanted was to be a wife and a mother. And here God had blessed me so greatly in both those things. And I never gave him credit or thanks or, you know, acknowledge that it was a gift from him and that he had a standard of how I was supposed to be a wife and how I was supposed to parent. And just realizing that was just kind of, you know, what brought me to that place of repentance and trust. And, um, yeah, so I would say my salvation was more of like, I don't know if you've heard the analogy, you know, either you're on the airplane and when you cross over state borders, you're not sure when that moment was, or you were on a road trip and you're driving in a car. And when you pass state borders, you know, your moment. Um, I think God just used so many different things, uh, for me to, you know, get me to that point of salvation. But it was chapter one that gave me that clarity that I could confidently say that I understood the gospel and that I have responded to it with repentance. Yeah, and, and trust. then just to kind of sum it up for me, it was just seeing what was going on in her life 
and just witnessing that and seeing her coming home from a partner's meeting and just, you know, you're just immersed. You're here and, and you're praying, you're starting to pray together, you're doing all these things and you're you're following the rules and you're doing these different things. And then for me, it was just seeing what was happening with her and then starting to question, well, she something's changed with her. What's happening to me? And then you start looking back on, again, my timeline is talking about some things with my dad and moving us to Virginia and 8,000 other moments in my life to, to up into that point where you look back like, yeah, God did that. It, I just never realized it, you know, and, and all of a sudden it just kind of like all came together. And um, yeah, I don't know if there was an exact moment, but I remember being on a, on a road, on a work trip. I traveled a lot, my old job, and I had to go in and give a big presentation in front of some Comcast executives. And I, you know, I don't mind public speaking or walking into meetings like that, but I remember praying and asking God just to help me. And I had never done that before, but it was like, just the default for me at that point. And that's when I kind of realized, like, I thought of that now. I thought to pray before going into this. And then you, I, you know, you kind of have that realization after that. So we're just incredibly grateful. Um, life changing. Seriously, our lives are so different than they used to be. Uh, I like to. We're jerks. Were we? Yeah, not to each other, yeah. but like essentially like to the world, we had that attitude. We're definitely jerks to God, for no sure. One, yeah, jerks. No one else like mattered. All that mattered was each other. And I mean, we can just totally speak to uh, how God truly changes you from the inside out because we were we were doing things that we never would have done before. We moved from our two-bedroom apartment to a... Uh, three bedroom with a very small backyard just so we could be hospitable and have people over and have fellowship, which is something we never would have purposed to do or gone out to, you know, meet other people and invite them into our home. That was like our, that was like our sacred place. Like that was our space. No one else was, you know, just our, that was our thing. And, uh, you know, serving in the church, that's just, been huge and God has just been insanely gracious to us. So undeserved and yeah, but just yeah. so thankful and I don't know, it, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're grateful to talk about it and just thank God for just the way the story played out. And, uh, yeah, we love, we love the Lord and we, yeah. I, we thought we did, you know, whatever boxes we were checking, if we didn't ever express it to him. So, um, but just so grateful and grateful to share a story and just kind of talk about our, our situation and, and so, yeah, so thank you all. We did. We went for a while, but we got you. You got a, you got a little bit of time, Pastor Mark, a little bit. Yeah. So, okay. uh, but yeah, thank you all. Appreciate yes, it. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for sharing. Love hearing your story and uh, so, gra so grateful that God brought you here to Compass and has placed us in, or you, in this ministry. And uh, so, very neat. Uh, grab your Bibles. I want to quickly cover uh, some of the stuff from the weekend. Psalm chapter 3. While you're turning there, I'm accustomed to attending sporting events where people stand and yell and scream and fireworks go off when there's a touchdown or a home run and things are flying in the air, peanut shells are on the ground. But this last Monday, I found myself at a tennis tournament and the scene is quite different. In tennis, apparently, uh, you're supposed to be more civilized and proper and you're not allowed to talk during the gameplay, and um, snootiness is not only acceptable, but it is expected. That was at least my understanding of the situation. 
uh, of the, the, the tennis match. And um, in fact, I think there was at one point the referee judge, the guy who sits up in the lifeguard tower, um, scolded some fans because they hadn't sat down fast enough. And like, because they were so distracting to the tennis players as they were playing. And um, we, we were there because I got Bethany this tennis racket randomly for Christmas a year and a half ago. Turns out she loves it. And I was going out on a total limb. She loves it and she's really good at it. So we went to this professional te- tennis tournament on Monday and uh, we were there. The best part about tennis is not actually the game. It's the ball boy. You know what I'm talking about? All right, so the ball boy and the ball girl, and there was like eight of them on this tennis court thing that we were at. And they sit there, knee to the ground, arms behind the back, like ready, ready to charge. The ball goes down. It's their moment. They run. Dead sprint, grab the ball, try to not fumble the ball and look super graceful. Then they sprint back to like the closest post where they stand, arms behind their backs until they're summoned again to the next thing that they have to do. It's really entertaining to watch the ball boy and the ball girl. I'd go again to a tennis tournament just to watch the ball boy and the ball girl. It was really fun. Um, but we did that, and uh, there was a, at one point during the tennis tournament, there was this guy who um, lost a match, one of the matches, and he took this ball and just smashed it out of the whole stadium. And uh, totally uncivilized, barbaric, unacceptable sort of you know, things to happen at, at a tennis tournament. So I, in my snootiness, I was adopting the culture. This is ridiculous. You can't behave this way at a tennis tournament. And, um, and, and so, I mean, there, there's people from all over the world, all different countries, and so I looked them up. Like, what country is this guy from? Oh, Argentina, huh? And I found myself judging the entire country based on this one guy's act of, you know, barbaric, uh, you know, whatever he did. And uh, we do that, don't we? We judge entire groups, entire countries, entire organizations based on one representative. And it's the same way in the Christian life. Pastor Mike talked about it on the weekend. You and I, we represent Christ in the world, to the world, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, everywhere we go. We, if we claim to be Christians, we represent him and we ought to represent him well. And uh, there's ways to go about the Christian life that put Christ on display and, and speak highly of the church and what God is doing in the world. And there's ways for us to go about life that are inconsistent with the Christian message. And it's easy. It can be easy to go around, as, as Pastor Mike referred to, moping around and, you know, not having and maintaining the sort of uh, joy and contentment that ought to characterize the Christian life. And so the weekend sermon was, was kind of a, a warning to avoid uh, putting up the wrong billboard about Christ and to rather put on display the Christian life in, in a way that is good and beautiful and the way it ought to be. So we ought to represent Christ well in the world. And um, it can be hard to muster up Uh, joy and contentment and the sort of uh, billboard that we want to put on display, the the sort of billboard that's in our minds, uh, what we want to be true of us when we don't feel like it all the time. And so Psalm 3, I think, was really helpful in addressing some of the key components of what it means, what it looks like to uh, consistently live this way. 
And so there were three points. The first one was to expect painful times. You remember that from the weekend? Expect If you go in with the right expectations, that's going to help you to maintain the sort of attitude you ought to have in the Christian life. And realistic expectations ought to be calibrated with this um, expecting things to be challenging and at times painful. We ought to expect opposition. Psalm chapter 3 verse 1, it says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. And so if we have this disposition about us where we expect things to be challenging and we expect opposition, we walk into life knowing that we'll experience tribulation, then uh, then we can have realistic expectations for the world we live in. Because as he talked about, the, we live in a fallen world. And there is a fierce enemy, and we have a faulty walk. So those were some of his subpoints as to why we experience painful times. Uh, but we can't do anything to control the fallen world. We we're born into a sinful fallen world. We can't change that. We can't change the enemy. There is a fierce enemy. Satan wants you to fail. He wants you to make mistakes and to blow it. You can't change that. But the third one, a faulty walk. You can, you have all the tools you need, all the resources you need to pursue holiness and to fight sin. And you ought to, as a Christian, expecting these things. And uh, so we ought to pursue holiness and uh, have realistic expectations that it's going to be a challenge. We talked a little bit about this in the podcast, Bethany and I. Uh, We're talking about forgiveness, but just having realistic expectations for your spouse, uh, we're in a position to forgive more readily if we're not surprised when we have to. And, um, and so this is a good thing in our marriage to expect not only opposition from the outside, fallen world, you know, enemy, but also within our marriages when things are frustrating and don't happen the way we want them to or things aren't always perfect. Don't be surprised by that. That helps um, to have the sort of disposition we ought to have. Okay, then point number two. This is the old, the, I'm just going to focus on point one and two. Uh, point number two was to recall God's faithfulness. And that's verses three and five. It goes on, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud, and the Lord, he answered me from his holy hill. Recall God's faithfulness. Pastor Mike said that um, when you see God's faithfulness in your life, write it down. And I think we can add to that here in this setting. When you see God's faithfulness in your spouse's life or your children's life or your friend's life or your Thrive uh, group's life, write it down. And uh, it's a really neat thing for us to be able to share uh, what God is doing not only in our lives but to see what God is doing in the lives of other people to, to recall his faithfulness. And so just by way of application for this one, I would say keep coming to Thrive because you huddle up, you circle up your chairs every week and you get to hear uh, how God is working in the lives of other people at the same stage of life. And every so often we'll have testimonies here on this stage where you get to uh, hear in the whole group setting how God has been faithful in the lives. So thanks Mellers for sharing tonight. And um, I was even praying today and earlier this week that there would be people hearing this recap tonight and talking about these questions tonight, maybe whose marriage isn't doing well right now, or there's some shakiness going on in your walk with the Lord, and 
Six months from now, you are here sharing your testimony of how God was faithful in your life. Uh, I really want to see and hear more and more about how God is working in your lives and in in our lives. And um, so, share and um, be encouraged and motivated when you hear other people testify of God's grace in their lives. Point number three was uh, to resolve to be fearless. It goes on. I will not be afraid. Many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O God, for you will strike all my enemies on the cheek. You will break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Let's pray. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your faithfulness. We want to praise you for all that you have done and all that you are still doing and the the things that you're even doing here um, in the, the lives that are represented here in this room. God, please make yourself known and exalted through us and uh, by your grace. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.